Welcome to Cloudlandia. Hello. <laughs> What's the word? I want to talk a little bit about time. I'd like to talk about time, so I'm all ears. Yeah, I have, I've just been struck by something because, um, you know, <clears throat> we're just about, uh, you know, uh, six months or six months and a few weeks since we started. I was just going to our... say that, actually. That was my that was my lead in topic. We just passed six months. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we even have these phone calls if we're thinking the same thing? <laughs> we can just do the neural we can just do the neural mashup and let AI figure yeah. it out, right? That's funny. Yeah. yeah. But one of the things uh I've noticed is that time has sort of slowed down. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually there's a slowing down. And um just as a lead thought on this, that I think that when you have to travel by yourself and it takes time, uh, you want to get through that time very, very quickly. In other words, uh, you know, if you're flying some way, mm -hmm. you have to do the whole, you have to do the whole uh, routine. Real time. Ready, yeah. The, you've got to move your physical body. Ready. Yeah. But it really isn't creative time because you have to be focused on an activity yeah. which is very repetitive. And uh, in part of your mind, it's kind of an unpleasant, you know, it's a sacrifice that you're having to make. And I think we try to get through, through sacrifices really fast. And so yeah. we speed up time to get to the, um, you know, the important part of why we're traveling in the first place. It's mm -hmm. a meeting that ahead in the future and we want to get there as fast as possible and we want yes. to minimize, minimize we kind of want to minimize our consciousness uh, yes. so we can get to that but with the zoom um you're doing what you're doing and you're enjoying it and then you look at yes. your watch and you say oh in two minutes i've got a zoom call yeah and uh yeah i got about i i use my last two Jackson time periods before I actually dialed on to get on this call to get about three or four important things done. Uh -huh. And uh, and so that was very, very useful time. And now here we are. You're in, yeah. Um, well, you, you hit on the secret you of this. Florida. You were. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was in Toronto, but now yeah. we're now we're here. Yeah, we're here. We're in Cloudlandia. Together, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you I, you're saying that, and you really, I don't know how long, as long as I've known you, you've been using your car service as a time uh, travel device because that's the only time, the only thing you had to worry about was getting in the car at a certain time, and you have that other time back, the time in yeah. between how long it takes to get to wherever you're going. Um, yeah. That must be an yeah, interesting 30, 30 year, 30, 30 years. Um, Bennington? I would say most of my travel to. for 30 years, most of my travel for 30 years has been having a driver, you know, a limousine driver to, mm -hmm. uh, to, to actually do that. And Either that or I usually read. <laughs> yeah, right. I usually read. I usually yeah. read. 
uh, you know, when I'm doing that. And uh, novels are really good because uh, mm-hmm. it's a story. So you're picking up yeah. the story when you get in the car and then you move along the story. And uh, there was a great, depending there was on a the story. driver, depending on the driver, I'll talk or I won't talk. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah. Yeah. But what about the slowing down time? That, uh, well, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing, but it hadn't struck me because I was just reviewing the last six months, and mm-hmm. I said, "Boy, I sure I sure got a lot done during that mm-hmm. six months." But it it seemed like almost a single experience. Yes, it's, it reads as one. That's the thing that our brains. Um, I learned that why time seems to move faster as we get older is because there's less and less variety. Like we, when you're mm-hmm. thinking about time in your uh, teens and twenties, and you're, it's constantly new. You're in new places. You've got your, you know, your, mm-hmm. your first uh, day at college, your first, uh, you know, your dorm room, then you're in a new place and then new friends. And then you join the military and you were in a new yeah. place there and you come. So you've mm-hmm. got all these experiences that, you, when your mind looks back on them, those are all like, uh, if you look at them as recorded, you know, sound waves, if you see the peaks and valleys of, of uh, activity, those are all new experiences that are registering. But once you get into a situation where you're living in the house you're in, and you're driving to the same office and you see the same people and you're doing the same uh, thing largely, that all reads to your brain as one thing. So it looks back, Mm -hmm. there's no friction. There's no outstanding um, peaks or valleys to to market. Like I've heard you, you talked about of all the workshops that you've done, there's probably a handful that would stand out and you can recall them instantly like the September 11th uh, workshop because mm-hmm. that of all the workshops that you've done in Chicago in that room, that was an outlier and there's something unique about that. Now, all of mm-hmm. the other workshops all kind of blend into each other. And I imagine if somebody had a baby in a workshop or somebody had, um, you know, a medical emergency or something happened that caused a peak on the Richter scale of your memory of it, that that would stand out as an mm-hmm. outlier. But the others yeah. all blend into one because there's not much um, variety in it. Mm-hmm. Although uh, there is more variety in a Zoom workshop than in a in-person workshop, that could be. And you know, now we look no, at no. it that the very first one. No, and and the reason is that uh, uh, generally speaking, in the in the in-person workshops, when there's a breakout group, yes, I take a break. I take a mm-hmm. break. You know, mm-hmm. I'll go and talk to the team or I'll do something. Yeah. But in every Zoom workshop since the very first in March, and those were short two-hour um, two mini workshops, I've been in every single breakout group. I haven't missed a single breakout group. 
And yeah. it's a, it's like Christmas morning every time you go into a breakout group because it's yeah, because you never know who. Yes, but I, I don't know who's under my tree th- uh, this time. And, uh, <laughs> right. And uh, and like uh, you know, in a full one, six hours, there's five breakout groups, and I yeah. meet and talk with um, a great number of individuals that sure. in a in-person workshop I wouldn't necessarily. Uh, yep. listen to them and talk to them and interchange with them. And it's 20 minutes, 20 minutes. It's five times 20 minutes. Yeah. But I get uh-huh. a real feel for people that I didn't know. I remember their stories. I remember what they're working on. Yeah. And, uh, and then when I go back into the full session, I can get them to talk about something they said in the breakout session. And that becomes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a valuable resource in, uh, in the, the larger groups. And, yeah. uh, so, so my standpoint is that there's a lot more um, novelty packed into Cloudlandia than there is mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, in uh, the um, mainland. Yes, and a lot less friction. Like, I, yeah, I, think I mean, somebody said that movies are like real life with all the boring stuff taken out. Well, Cloudlandia mm-hmm. is like, uh, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like real life sharpened to a finer edge. I agree with that a hundred percent because yes, you can be, uh, you, you can still have all the other, uh, yeah, we've basically cut out all that, all that middle stuff. So yeah. it's so great. And I mean, but life, that's life compacting on us like that. Like, I mean, everything is, that's one of the greatest things is this let's call that convenience too if i think you can put it on that that things are getting so much more every little bastion of time where we are inefficient in it where there's something that's causing on it like you remember we it wasn't too long ago dan that if you wanted to watch a specific show on television you had to show up in front of the television at that time. Mm. Right. Yeah. And now that's unthinkable that you're yes. going to, you know, and it's not even now, especially things like the, uh, you know, debates or, um, uh, you know, things that stretch on now, if you know, if you, even if you miss it synchronously within hours, somebody's going to have, I thought about this with Elon Musk did the Neuralink um, demonstration uh, press conference. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Okay, so he, you know, he's they. Yeah, installed, I know. The, yeah, I know what he's. Yeah, I know what he's attempting to do, but uh, I didn't yeah. uh, see the actual event. No. So they have installed these Neuralinks in in some pigs to see the you know show the the um um uh efficacy of it kind of thing but it was an hour and a bit and there were technical difficulties and so you know, with the pigs getting the pigs out on time but then somebody the within hours had the the 14 minutes that matter of the entire yeah. uh the entire thing mm-hmm. in 14 minutes and that somebody do that with the debates the entire debate in in 14 minutes or Whatever, yeah. we're 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 very efficiently eliminating dead time or or wasted uh, 
wasted time. I think that's something I well, think about here's now. A, no, no, I really, I mean, you just triggered something uh, that uh, one of the things that I really notice is that wasting time on Cloudlandia is uh, is um, a no-no. Uh-huh. In other words, uh, uh, don't use up people's Cloudlandia time with boring, meaningless stuff. Right. Yes. Yes, it's all from concentrate. That's the great part of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So here's a here's the thing. I um you know I'm 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 looking also at the bigger world and uh, I estimate you know that probably Zoom is uh, across the 400 million daily users now. You know, mm. I, I haven't checked I haven't checked the numbers, but they were at 375 two months ago, and I suspect they probably pulled in another uh, you know they pulled in a, <clears throat> another. 25 million in the last two months. But with that, I would say that uh, the work that's being done is of a higher quality than uh, mainline work. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, they're cutting out all of the, um, they're cutting out all the inefficient hours of stuff. You know, like, I mean, you mm-hmm. think about a, a job like having a, a workforce in a in an office there's a lot of inefficiency in that in terms mm-hmm. of the both the time if you take from you take the the time impact of somebody having a job um that they have to travel to to get to so let's say they're traveling 30 minutes commute to to work that the impact of that they've got to get up um you know early enough to shower and and prepare themselves and and have breakfast or work out or do whatever they need to do to then start to commute to get to work and then there's the onboarding or on ramping kind of time of you know seeing everybody and getting coffee and you know checking their their mail and getting settled. And then there's a period of time where they're actually doing the work that they do. And then it's lunchtime. And then there's some, you know, on-ramp getting back and maybe some interruptions and meetings and things that are less than efficient. Uh, and then it's quitting time again, right? And so mm-hmm. this allowing it to be just, you know, starting right at the uh, right at the time, is yeah. pretty. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot to it. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Uh, 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 one thing that I've introduced into all my meetings, uh, however, is to soften the uh, beginning of a Zoom session. So, uh, the way our workshops work, yeah, uh, we have we have a pre meeting with the team a half hour before the scheduled. Uh-huh. Uh, workshop. Okay. And uh, I told the, we have a host for each of the workshops, the person who is actually controlling the Zoom part of the mm-hmm. uh, of the event. And I said, if you say that the uh, meeting is going to start at 930, let people come in from 920 onwards. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And if and and so that you can chat with people because you don't yeah. see them these days. You don't you don't actually interact with them in the cafe. Well, I actually love that about um, Gino Gino Wickman's idea of the meetings like that. If they start at at um, you know 10 a.m., that the actual meeting, you know, the first 10 minutes is is open kind of chatting and things like that, but it starts precisely at, at 10, 10 and it ends at exactly 11, uh, 11 AM. Yeah. So build, well, we just do it the opposite. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We yeah. just do the opposite. We have 10 minutes of chat time before, but then yeah. the meeting actually starts at the appointed time. So we're doing more or less the same thing. It's just, yeah. I just noticed in the, in the office that, uh, you know, when we do these type of meetings, uh, either in Chicago or Toronto, which are my my main two sites, is that in the cafe, the meetings will be in the cafe, and people will right. show up 15 minutes early, 10 minutes yeah, early. I always and, do, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so uh, why not just hang out and, uh, hang out and just chat? Yeah. And, you know, and uh, then there's this, it's not this abrupt, uh, you know, it's not like the start of an Olympic sprint or something. Yeah, you know, at, uh, and and the same thing I do with the clients. So we get our business if we start promptly at nine thirty. The actual uh, getting ready for the workshop, we're usually finished by ten minutes to the uh, to the hour. And I said, mm-hmm. are there any are there any clients in the you know in the in the what what do they call it the waiting room? Right? I don't yeah, know. exactly. Uh-huh. I think so. The waiting room. Yep. The waiting room. I said, bring them in. Bring them in. Let them come in. I said mm-hmm. they showed up early. Uh, give them a reward for showing up early, and we'll just um, you know chat with them. Yeah, and like that. Uh, it was kind of funny because uh, it's got its kind of uh, uh, it's got its it's got some of its real world uh, quality to it because I had somebody who was just really wound up about the riots that are going on and he came oh, in boy. and uh, and uh you know he kind of uh expressed himself to me yes you know yeah because i was on and uh it was jarring to our team it was very jarring uh. to our team and you know and i didn't i didn't put any logs on his fire you know i didn't uh, right. I didn't add any accelerant to his fire but it was but you know we've done it uh, you know, we've done it 20 times, and there there was this one odd thing that uh, happened, yes. and it hasn't repeated it. Somebody said, "Well, we shouldn't bring them in." I said, "It was one." I said, "That's one on the negative side for you. Think of all the positives." I said, "You know, yeah. uh, you know." I said, uh, "Think think of the other things we found out about people, and you know that they're." You know, their they their wife had a baby the the day before. Their you know yeah. all sorts of good news. I said you're just zeroing in on this one thing as the reason why we shouldn't do it. I said that's what government bureaucrats do. And I said uh, you know if there's one instance of some some negative, then we make a law that forbids it forbids yeah. the activity for everybody else. I said right. I said. Here, here, I'll give you an example. What would you have to do to your thinking so that if someone did that, it wouldn't bother you? Yeah. That's a better way to think about it, isn't it? I find it your thinking. 
Yeah. Dean, uh, I'll ask you a serious question. Have you found it easier to change yourself than to change the world? Oh, absolutely. This is, you know, uh, yeah. Jamie Smart, a uh, good friend, he wrote a book called Clarity. And it's one of those books that is, you know, absolutely, you read it and you get the insight. And it's, you know, I guess you could sum it up by saying that 100% of our emotional state and their experience that we have is 100% created from the inside out, not from yep. the outside yep. in. And yep. that's a, um, you know, that's really, it's fascinating when you can kind of detach yourself from it and you realize that I'm creating this state that I'm in because I take the data or the input and I run it through my special effects department, which turn it into this emotional state. And mm -hmm. I'm in complete control of the studio. You know, I can yeah. turn it into whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you admit it or not. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I mean, the whole point is that you can be, if you choose to be, you can be a hundred percent responsible for your emotional reactions. I mean, I had, you know, I'll a, tell you, it's, perfectly. A, it's a skill. It's a skill. It's a, I'll it's tell you a skill to be. Yeah. I'll give you a perfect example of this. I sat in this exact room that I'm in right here. I have a little reading room and I've got two great leather club chairs and I'm, I sit in one to do the podcast, but sitting in the other chair, across here from me was Homer McDonald, who is the gentleman oh, I yes. wrote the yep. Stop Your Divorce yep. book with. Yep. And Homer, we, we recorded an audio program. And we, I, uh, I was going to play the advocate of the person who's being left. And uh, I was going to, you know, get Homer's answers for things. And in the first six minutes of this program, he completely dismantled it. So I was saying how, uh, you know, that imagine that, you know, my wife is said she doesn't love me anymore. She wants to get a divorce. And, uh, and he says, well, how do you feel about, how are you feeling about that? And I said, well, I'd imagine, you know, I'd be very um, upset about that. And I would be, uh, you know, I want to do everything I can to, to get her back. He said, okay, well, imagine that I'm saying to you right now, I guarantee you we're going to get her back. And within 30 days, she's going to be back and in a loving relationship with you. And she's going to be sort of better than it ever was. And I, you know, I was saying, wow, that sounds great. He says, can you really, do you believe that? Can you imagine that? And how, how do you, how are you feeling now? And I would say, well, I feel great. He goes, so it, you know, nothing's changed about the situation. It's just <laughs> the way that you think about it and now you're feeling great. So you can feel great. Yeah. <laughs> how you think about it. And I thought, man, you didn't, I didn't even like, I fell for that sink line and a hook line and sinker or whatever they say. And you just realize he just like hammered that home that, you know, nothing's changed and you feel great. 
<laughs> so it's well. Here, kind of here's here, here, here's the thing, though. The question, uh, the you know, the proposition that he uh, offered you to think about a month from now and everything's great and everything's back. When you're in the emotion you are, you can't do that type of thinking for yourself generally. Mm. But you can under guidance, I guess. Yeah, you can under guidance, and that's yeah. really why we're. This is why we're so useful to each other, because yeah. the one not yeah. feeling the emotion can think more clearly. The, yeah. uh, the, the one who is uh, not in the situation themselves can bring other dimensions into the conversation more than the person who's fixated. Well, I'll give you an example, and it happened politically. It happened over the last two days uh, that both parties in the election going towards November had a clear clear uh, agenda of what all the, you know, the discussion points were going to be, the argument points, the debating points, and what the commercials were going to be about, and everything like that. And then um, a Supreme Court justice dies on Friday. Mm -hmm. And everything changed. Everything changed within about 30 seconds. Yeah, Everything changed because uh, the the election is really about whether the person who's president and, you know, the Senate and, the, you know, the Congress are going to stay the way they are right now or whether, you know, there's going to be a fundamental change. But the furthest future that they really uh, could see was November 4th, the election being on November 3rd. So it was all about mm -hmm. November 4th. But Supreme Court justices go for 30 years. And yeah. uh, and so all of a sudden, the issues at stake weren't November 4th. They were the next 30 years. So nobody was yeah. thinking 30 years. Nobody was right. thinking 30. The entire context. So what you'll see going forward, nobody's going to be talking about whether the pandemic was hell, uh, you know, handled really right or wrong right. or you know what the russians are doing or what the chinese are doing it's about who who's going to fill that supreme court position because uh, this is uh, it's the greatest job in the world because once you have it you can have it for as long as you want it and there's only you know it's it's it's, it's not an abundant position there's a limited number of uh, you know there's a limited number of justices yeah and, uh -huh. and they affect everything. They they affect every everything and uh, everything. But I was just amazed at the because I, you know, I check the news uh, sites on the internet and, and all talk of everything they'd been talking to on Friday morning was completely changed by Saturday morning. Uh huh. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. That's amazing. Same thing. Yeah, and it's an interesting. They're now the now the the um, you know the debate then comes to how they were pressuring Obama when he had there was eleven months left in his term when the last vacancy came, um, and they were pressuring to say, well, really that's got to be left for the incoming president's uh, you know job, and now. It's, funny that you know there's less than a couple of months uh left or four months i guess and they're they're gonna yeah. rush to try and get it uh get it filled here 
It's funny yeah. how all the perspective uh, changes, you know. Yeah. The, the only thing about that, if the other party was in charge, they'd do the same thing. You know? Exactly. Like, that's uh, what I mean. That's yeah. the whole thing. And so <laughs> yeah. that's, that, that was the point of it, is that no matter what, you're going to argue whatever is on, on yeah, your I side. Mean, uh, you know? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. You can be ideal, idealistic, except if you have a deadline. Mm-hmm. I think you're on to something, though, about this time. Um, oh, yeah. Because I, I've learned there's something that where, you know, you can now, um, you know, literally get just what you need exactly when you need it in almost every situation now, you know, like only yeah. when you need no No inefficiencies of that. There's, um, I think I shared with you last time that I'm noticing now that what we're getting to is in a, a marketplace type of environment where everything is on tap. It's like the unlimited who's of um, whatever you need on uh, just when you need it. You know, like I look at, mm-hmm. they're taking out the efficient inefficiencies now. Um, I think I mentioned the uh, design um, capabilities yeah. or yeah. you know things yeah. the execution design execution we don't use them for um, creative stuff as much we do that stuff in-house but the design execution like change switching things out or compiling things or um, you know with we have a lot of our authors uh, that we do with 90 minute books we create these um, you know digital um, marketing packs that have the uh, three-dimensional books and pictures of the books and the uh, postcard mm-hmm. and all the stuff. But once the cover of the book, we do all the covers and everything internally, but once those assets are created, then filling those into templates is something that, you know, we can get done with a uh, design service and, but we, you know, it's it's amazing the model now. I think we pay like four hundred dollars a month or under four hundred dollars yeah. a month for unlimited um, design, or you know, just this constant on tap. You you stack up all of your. You can have unlimited yeah. requests, kind of thing. But they do one at a time, basically, and. Um, if you do it efficiently, it's kind of like when Netflix was getting started with uh, the DVD delivery. You know, there was uh, if you did it right, you know, you could have uh, you know you could order a two two DVD at a time subscription, and if you yeah. ordered one and you watched it at night, and then you put it in the mail the very first uh, thing next morning you could get back the next one, you know, within a couple yeah, of I days. Yeah, I remember and, that. And then, yeah. it, uh, then it was six for a month or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and they, that was the They thing. expanded the number of things. And I remember Richard Rossi was always the, uh, you know, he was very much the pathfinder for exploring yeah. pathfinder for a lot of people. And, yeah. you know, he was the first one that I remember into Uber. He was the first person into yeah. Zoom. Uh, or not Zoom, but uh, um, Kindle. He was the first person yeah. into Kindle. 
And uh, and then of course uh, Amazon itself uh, just started with Kindle. You know, yeah. So they they started they started with one product, and everybody said, "Gee, why? Boy, it's so great getting your books just like that. Why couldn't you get other things just like that?" And then they yeah. just kept they just kept feeding that. Um, you know that. Uh, well, that was all that those. Was, yeah, that's what I was saying early, uh, when we first talking about the the cascading asymptotes, you know, that the, the capability to digitize and distribute text was first. So that's why the Kindle came first and then the iPod and then YouTube and then streaming. That's how it all uh, happened. That's the capabilities uh, changed. And now with, you know, 5G, it's, instant always on at all times everywhere that's a really mm-hmm. interesting place to uh to come from yeah yeah but we're not yeah, but fundamentally uh, we're not getting any more time well uh <clears throat> uh yeah well this is uh that's an interesting topic whether time is actually a quantitative thing or a qualitative thing Right. You know, like, you know, my, my sense is that my quality of time is quite a bit greater than six months ago. Yes. I agree. Yeah. And our access to things, what I was thinking about this morning and wanted to, to have a little talk about today is this, that the capability to do, um, Bigger and bigger what with yes. with less effort, like with the right. It's almost like with the right lever, I can move the world. With the right hula decks, I can move any any what is a is a possibility. Um, with the right hula deck <laughs> lever, you know, um, yeah. and that really the vision when we talk about the vision capabilities and reach is the vision is where the what comes from here and being able to you know uh, take that vision through the capabilities and and reach to um to get it out there that's really where i'm most excited to be a quick start and most excited to be um thinking that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's really uh, interesting. And, you know, uh, it's, I haven't been thinking this, except it's been brought up a lot in uh, workshops um, over the last um, <clears throat> at last month or so. The difference between wanting what you need and wanting what you want. And uh, uh, I, I think that that's actually a divider of how you experience time. I think that uh, wanting what you need is always a uh, little bit of a nervous game. Mm. Uh, and, and and part of the reason is you're comparing yourself against other people. Yeah. Uh, um, my sense is the world of need is a comparison. It's a competitive world. You know, uh-huh. and uh, you have the constant feeling that you're falling behind or you're being left out and uh, everything. Wanting what you want is completely generated from the inside. You get an idea 
of creating something that doesn't exist yet. And, yes. And and since it doesn't exist yet, there are no hows to actually get there. Okay. Right. And mm-hmm. and what it does is switches your mind to who's. Okay. Yes. And, you know, and um, you're saying, you know, I wonder if I talk to so-and-so and kind of talk to them about what they're doing. Maybe they could add something, you know, uh, some tell me about some of the hows that could actually happen because quite frankly, I don't, I don't actually know how to get there. I don't, I don't really know how right. to get there, you know? So, and I think if you're, and my sense is wanting what you want naturally favors having who's do it. Wanting what you need naturally favors that it's your howing. That's going to see. I like to this there. approach is that this is what I think that, when we're seeking, we're seeking uh, capabilities like the the what's what's possible. When you're exposing yourself to idea to things that are capabilities that people have, um, that that can spur the creativity. Like there's so much right now that is available and possible that if you had the right vision for it, that there's mm-hmm you know, never ending possibility. I just discovered, I didn't, I'd heard this before, but the, um, that seeking is a core emotion. Have you ever heard that about? The, yeah. I, um, I, I can, I can certainly relate to that thought. And it's a dopamine creator that yeah. that sense of, of elation and, enthusiasm and excitement as you're seeking and you know your mind is like on fire with with possibilities when you're exposed to new things that is a um yeah that's uh that's how i live a lot of my life i think mm-hmm. that and then you realize that that actually now when you where the energy drop of that is when you run into that wall of I don't know how to do this now, you know, and that to keep that energy by seeking and looking um, for these uh, capabilities, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're applying but all those capabilities that, that are. To, uh, <clears throat> All those capabilities out there are meaningless if you don't have a project. Yes. Yeah. And a project. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I mean, the really vast the majority. New... Yeah, the vast majority. <clears throat> you know, and we've been having you have been having lots of conversations, and Babs and I <clears throat> have been having lots of com- uh, conversation with Joe Polish, who's taking yeah. on a project that would be unthinkable if, you know, if you had known Joe, you've known Joe, I think probably, I don't know, as long as I have mine, mine goes back 23 years. Yeah. And, I know him probably a little uh, so the project, which he's the project, which is, he has publicly announced. So it's not, uh, we're not trading on inside information here is that he's going to take one, a one year sabbatical starting. Right. Right. Next mm-hmm. thing, and um, 
the the thing that I find really interesting is that he's talking to other people who uh, are super busy, and their response to Joe as he's reported them to us is that they say, "I wouldn't even know how to st- uh, I wouldn't even know how to think about what you're just telling me." In other words, mm-hmm. you're going to take a and you're going to cut off all you know your normal activities and mm-hmm. you know and you're to a certain extent it's going to mean like a digital diet uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, it includes it uh, and uh, and my sense is it'll get better quarter by quarter you know that yeah. uh, that uh, he'll learn uh, what sabbaticaling actually means in other words sabbaticaling is kind of a skill and he's uh, and you know he's um he's engaging himself in the mastery of a skill which um he hasn't done before and now he's going to do it and at the end of a year he's going to have this as a further skill to go forward and uh so my my sense is, you know and because I've been on a diet of another sort and I'm now in my 26th month I'm just coming up on Actually, I think it's 26 months uh, right about now, but I haven't watched any television. Actually, right. Televi- I haven't watched any television set television. In other words, mm-hmm. turning on the television. I haven't done any mm-hmm. of that. <clears throat> and I sort of shield my eyes when I walk through um, airport, lo- you know, oh, airport yeah. lobbies and everything else. I, I just I, I can't stop and watch it at all. Well, so anyway, Dan, you should probably uh, exercise the gaskets on the television just to make sure that it's not <laughs> corroding. Yeah, somebody should. So, <laughs> well, I, I have to tell you, uh, the set we have actually requires about four things to get what you want, and I don't remember okay, what perfect. four things are. So, there we go. So, so I've disenabled myself uh, rather than the technology. And... Uh, but it's really, really interesting because I notice uh, my preference for reading has really come back. Uh, because even when I go on the internet, I'm looking for articles, which in some cases take five or ten minutes to read. Yeah. And uh, so I'm not watching television like reporting. I'm I'm going after you know sort of two or three page essays, two or three page uh, articles on something and uh, usually I can tell within the first two or three paragraphs whether it's worth finishing right. you know it's uh, worth the squeeze uh, yeah was all the value in the headline and <laughs> there's there's no value there's no value in the in the in the actual text but right. the, the interesting thing is that I find myself kind of unfazed by what a lot of people are reporting to me. They're noticing about the pandemic. They're noticing, you know, about television and everything like that. And, uh, you know, so, you know, when the riots started, people started saying the riots, did you see that? And I said, riots, riots, riots. So I went, I went to Wikipedia and I went to Google and the history of great riots, periods of great riots. And I started reading the history of riots and actually, uh, uh, you know, I I lived through the end of the 60s and early 70s when there were massive riots in the United States, uh, starting mm-hmm. 68 uh, with the, uh, you know, 68, uh, there was, um, you know, uh, Robert Kennedy was, uh, Robert Kennedy oh, oh, was, yeah. 
Martin Luther King was assassinated. And then there was the big, big riots in Chicago, the Democratic National Convention. And then it was going forward. And I said, you know, what I'm being told doesn't, you know, kind of, I've already seen that. You know, I've already seen that. And then I said, well, have there ever been other periods of great riots? And then I went back in the 1880s and 1890s, just uh, way bigger riots than we're having here. You know, and uh, and uh, uh, the biggest riot in the history of the United States was the New York riot um, opposing the draft into the Union Army during the um, oh really wow Civil War. Yes, uh, three or four hundred people were killed in New York City. It was a New York City riot. You know, and massive mm-hmm. blocks were burned down. Massive blocks were burned burned down and you're, you're talking about you know a riot that big against a much smaller population you know you know and uh, so it was a big uh, a really big deal so i came away and i said hmm, hmm that's very interesting i knew i i've got a historical context for riots that i have you know and it ebbs and flows and you know um it has a lot to do with the introduction of new technology into society um Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I said, you know, have a lot of new technology changing things. Probably you're going to get riots. Yeah, I think. And what do you think that is? Like just the uh, the uncertainty that people have. Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, and the other thing is the disruption to normal life. The, the technology will introduce uh, disruptions and uh, can. It can uh, eliminate employment in certain occupations with no thought mm-hmm. of what's going to happen to the people who are unemployed. The big one in the 1870s and 1880s was the um, pretty well the complete destruction of the agricultural economy, which more or less employed in some way, you know, some way connected to it, uh, you know, more than half the working population of the United States. Well, that was... Uh... Thanks to Cyrus McCormick. Well, Cyrus McCormick, Cyrus McCormick, and a hundred other things that uh, yes. got inspired by Cyrus. You know the yeah uh, the, the cotton gin actually mechanization uh, right uh, cotton gin in the South actually kept slavery going probably for twenty years uh, further and then caused a massive war that I, I would consider a war a riot. <laughs> mhm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Seems to me like the first first world that's war. That's the modern. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, Well, you think a, I, you look at Yeah, you look at what's going you look at uh Chaz, you know, that was really had all the markings of of war in a way, right? The taking yeah. of territory and the uh, fortressing and yeah. 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 They they had the skills of taking. They didn't have the skills of governing. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the skills of uh, that requires a, a different kind of training. Actually, the, the skills of governing require a added skill level beyond take takings. Um, uh, t- Every taking time I think about thing. things like that, it always you know I always think about that Milton Friedman on Phil Donahue saying to yeah, Phil that Donahue, was a great. Where do you propose to find these angels 
to come down and organize society without regard yeah. to self-interest. I don't even trust you to do that, Phil. <laughs> Which was just so beautiful. I don't even trust you to do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And, you know, his feet not, not even reaching the far, you know, I mean, he's a little, he's a little, little guy. Anyway, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that that's great from the Federalist Papers. Uh, James Madison said, you know, ideally we would like, uh, you know, uh, society to be run by virtuous people, but, uh, um, you know, who have other people's interests at heart. He says, ideally we do that. But if we had that, we probably wouldn't need the government because things would just get taken care of. And so um, our research kind of indicates that these virtuous people who think about others aren't in large supply, but, mm-hmm. but ambitious ambitious people who think about their own self-interests uh, are in very large supply. So why don't we build the government on making the ambition of individuals actually create something that uh, creates good for everybody? That's the, yeah. that's the trick here. That's the trick here that we have to create. We have to well, channel but the, individual individual ambition into activities which actually benefit way more than them. But I think the difference now that what we have is there are virtually no filters between or bafflers of ambition and somebody's desire to get ahead, that it's much easier... Yeah to tap into um, a meritocracy in a way where you can, um, you know, I just realized I was having this conversation with Philip the other day that I mentioned to you, we've been, you know, teaching him how to set up an eBay business to, to, Mm -hmm. so, and what I realized, you know, he's made the first sales on there. And I realized that he's got a, the key to self-sufficiency right now mm-hmm. there yeah. anything yeah. he could possibly want I actually shot him a, a video for his 22 year old self <laughs> while he was there and you know giving because he's so it's all about the video games and only doing what he has to do right now you know and i made the video with him there for his 22 year old self and i showed him there and i said wherever you are right now whatever you have look around you it's 100 percent because of the decisions that this guy right here made for you today and yeah. <laughs> and that whole thing i said i said to philip i just try and get him excited that um, you know, we're actually going to read wanting what you want as, as part of mm-hmm. this thing, because I've yeah. been going through the four, um, the, the four, uh, habits of, of showing up on time, do what you say you're going to do, finish what you start, say please and thank you as 80% of, of oh, the, yeah. the keys to life. And now couple that with control of your own umbilical cord that you don't need to run around looking for somewhere to plug it in, you can plug it into <laughs> to cloud land. Your head. You can plug yes. it into your head. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and so you look at it that the opportunities for anybody with um, with ambition and a cell phone, I mean, you, there's so much opportunity to tap into 
the um, you know, ability to trade your time or your skills or your abilities or your goods and yeah. services. Yeah. The, the interesting thing is the meritocracy. You know, this uh, became a big deal. I think it was after the Second World War, um, especially, you know, that we're going to bring meritocracy uh, rather than uh, being born into the right family. You know, it's sort of, it's, it's a break with the past in the sense that, uh, um, you know, all the empires that were basically um, a matter of family, um, you know, that if you were born into certain families, they, you know, whoever the, the key person was in society, then their children would be born to inherit the key person role. And then there were all the people who benefit from the key role, the aristocracy. And it was yeah. generally um, uh, a pushback and say, you know, we've tried this whole, you know, depending on um, birth of most important people to sort of determine the future of our society where we're going to uh, make it open to anybody. To tr but the truth of it is that meritocracy itself only favors certain types of skills. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, and one of the big skills is the skill of taking an SAT test and getting into the right university. It favors those skills. Okay, it favors those skills, and so much so that the people who were the educators started to make sure that their children were at the head of the line for the SAT test. So what we've been dominated more and more with is an educator-based uh, uh, meritocracy. And they always said that if you got a college education, no matter how much you paid for it, it would amortize itself in income over right. the course of your lifetime. Lifetime, uh -huh. But that got broken, that got broken sort of in the, as a result of the Great Recession, 08, 09, Mm -hmm. that you could have spent $200,000, uh, you know, on your education or your parents could have. And, um, you know, 10 years later, you're, you're saying, uh, will that be with price? Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Walmart. You know, welcome mm -hmm. to Walmart. That uh, it had become... Uh, Interesting, but one group of people really took advantage of that meritocracy thing. That was people who were education-minded. Okay, and uh, the the thing that I, I see here is that um, what they hate is that someone's going to bypass their complete system. You know, like the the, the junior kindergarten to, through to graduate school that somebody's going to come along and just bypass that whole system who just has a bright idea like your, like Philip. Philip just uh -huh. has a bright idea. And over the next 10 years, you know, if he stays with the lesson that he's learned with his first eBay experience, he may come up with something really, really big that yeah. is, at, at this point, totally unpredictable and it can right. be very, very disruptive to people who are busily on their junior kindergarten to graduate school line yeah. and they're kind of come, come out 
And something that Philip creates actually makes all their efforts to get to the top the normal way worthless. Boy, isn't that something? I mean, even because, well, school, everything about school is being questioned. This is going to be a, a renaissance for that, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. I mean, yeah. there's such a gap right now for, uh, and an opportunity for, um, you know, rethinking that whole education process. Yeah. Well, the big, uh, the big mistake I always felt, and it goes for healthcare too, that there was such a thing as a healthcare system and there was such a thing as an educational system. And, uh, I kept, you know, over the years saying, well, where's the system? Where's the system? Does the system have an address? Does the system have a phone number? Does the system have a, you know, does the system have a website? And I thought, I, I can't find the system. Where where is the system? Right. But I can see I can see hundreds of thousands of different little systems. Some of them good, some terrible, and um, you know there's no system. You know this whole yeah. notion of a system is an industrial concept. It's yeah. It doesn't have any. It, you know. Yeah. It's like it's like uh, you know the. The Google system. Well, what is it? Is there is there a Google system? I mean, there's a capability that people use in a million right. different ways. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, uh, there's a, you know, they're making money by by uh, creating a capability that a lot of people can use any which way. And uh, but there isn't any system, you know. I, I mean, I, I doubt if the creators of Google have any comprehension what their system is. Wow. Well, it's certainly it's it's um, you know I watched there's a documentary now um, called the um, I think it's called the social dilemma, and it's on, yeah on yeah that. yeah it's really made it's really made the rounds. Yeah, I've heard it twenty times. 20 times over the last, uh, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, you know, the, the premise, one of the things that was really what they, uh, what stuck out for me was when they said people fear that what's it going to be like when AI is more powerful than human intelligence kind of thing at our, at our best. And these guys said, well, that's not the real fear. The real fear is when AI is more powerful than the this human weakness, which is true right now. And AI yeah. really is ruling things because of that weakness. And all of that, um, the way they illustrated and showed that Facebook and Google and things are, you know, showing you things and notifying you about things and keeping you in that app. They want you looking at that screen so they can auction off the, uh, that attention. That's it's yeah. really kind can of, I, can scary. I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question though? Is that true for you? Uh, I do see parts of it for sure. I mean, it's no, it's, you see parts of it, but do they have yeah. control over your attention? Um, I would say that if I were, I would go through withdraw. I don't know that they control me because I'm probably in that situation of saying, oh, I could quit at any time kind of thing, right? I'm definitely, let's say 
if we're talking about dopamine as alcohol and I'm, I, I drink every day. (laughs) I'm a daily drinker. Uh, but I like to think, well, I could stop at any time. I'm a, I'm a social drinker or it's not a, a problem, Mm -hmm. but there's probably a huge opportunity cost of it. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, I definitely notice those. I'm definitely in the grips of automatic behavior, which includes never being more than arm's length from my phone or, you know, I'm constant. There's a lot of time that I'm on there, but I kind of, you know, justify it in a way in a dignified, put a dignified wrapper on it of, well, uh, that's how I make my, uh, I get my best ideas by being on the forefront. How else do you think I know about Kylie Jenner and, and yeah. little Nas X and those stimulate the bigger thoughts of how that applies. So I like yeah. to think of myself as in it, but not of it, you know? Well, here's, here's the thing, uh, you know, I mean, uh, and it's a conversation that I have with the high technology people, you know, because they're predicting yeah. exactly the future that uh, the social dilemmas thesis is uh-huh. about the whole point. Uh, the, um, and it's a thought for, you know, the next, uh, welcome yeah. to Atlantia. Yeah. uh, uh, I think all the you know big data all 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 artificial intelligence is is really really fast compute computation you know yeah it's just really fast computation okay mm-hmm. and uh and it only has as a diet the data of things that have already happened yes it has no predictive power whatsoever okay if you choose uh, for example uh I doubt if they, well, you know, I've been conversing with you for a decade or, you know, yeah. in a very steady way. And I doubt if all the new ideas that, you, that you've had in your use of input, you know, input from, uh, mm-hmm. um, let's say, Quadlandia, were any of them were predictable. I don't think any of them were predictable. No, but the behaviors that that's not, they're not getting, um, they're, you know, part of it is not about predicting what the outcome is going to happen, but I think it's an AI we're observing us and our data usage and our geo positioning that it would be very predictable to think that next Sunday at 11 a.m. I'm going to be sitting at 103 degrees north dot 32.76 whatever the the meets and bounds are for where i am and you're going to be sitting where you are and we're going to be connected on on uber conference that that would be predictive but they haven't at all interfered with our conversation or tried to no not at all during our conversation so, so here, I mean, this is just for uh, thinking. The other thing yeah. is, there isn't one AI system. There's, there's going to be millions, and they're all going to be competing with each other. Yeah, you know, they're all going to be. These are nervous. Hey, whoever these AI systems are, they're they're very nervous systems. Uh, they're 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 feeling very very threatened because some other AI system is going to 
you know, is going to, uh, you know, is is going to take away their attention attention thing. So yeah. the, what I'm saying there is that there's no human mastermind behind any of this. Oh, oh right, that's exactly. Yes, I agree with you 100. Yeah. Cap- capabilities. I mean, if, if you want to see somebody imprisoned and feeling totally captured by the future, it's whoever is the highest person in one of these AI firms. Mm. They're just desperate that they're they're going to be rendered obsolete by somebody right. else's AI system. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I find these you and uh, I, you, you, you and I, and uh, the folks we hang out with, we leave incredibly free, relaxed lives compared to those folks. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I find these uh, I, these conversations are endlessly fascinating and motivating. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all that's required to characteristic: endless and fascinating. That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, All right, boy. Dean. See okay. you next. See you next next Sunday. Thanks, Dad. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Bye.